Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. The magic number is 57. I've been saying that since almost day one, week one. Um, but this is episode 54 of the Operator Podcast, and I wanted to welcome you back. I, I, I did get to travel a little bit, so we're just, you know we're down to one a week again. I went to uh, Nashville the last week to hang out with my friend Ray Cash Care, and we got a little a little work done there. We were working with um, Watchtower Firearms, which is good. We talk about firearms a little bit on this because I don't want to step on any toes because that's how I roll. But uh, Watchtower Firearms, they are Custom-made guns, pistols, over 300 custom farms in stock. Right now, they're making more. I was down there recently. I had to design my own. Um, they have the uh, the BDRX-15. It's the most modern design incorporated with the skeletonized technology. And if you haven't seen that, you got to check it out with the paracord grip. It's the uh, flagship model. U- utilizes a grid billet receiver set and is fitted with match-free floating X7M handguard for a monolithic experience. Uh, so go to the website and check out the new stuff, and also the pistols, five and a half inch, eight and a half inch, um, just a lot to choose from. AR-15, AR-10, nine mil, law enforcement and military uh, designs. We started a new team. You can check out the new ambassadors we have there: Nina Rogers, Mark D'Ambrosio, and Nick Johnson. And like I said, my, uh, Ray Cash Care. If you don't follow him, you better follow him. He's um, He's there. He's running the show, and he's uh, doing a great job. Master of push-ups. And then uh, w- w- what I have on there on the website, too, is the, the Nisro rifle. It stands for Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill. That's on there. It's a custom designed after the one I used on the Bin Laden raid. This one's cooler, made from scratch, but uh, higher quality. And then uh, Colonel Allen West has the BDRX-15. Like I'm just saying, and it's just, it's just a kick-ass uh, place. Watchtower Firearms. Seriously, go check them out, and uh, tell me what you think in the comments. And we have a lot to cover uh, in about 60 seconds because I need to bring up the sponsor of the show, Allegiance Gold, because we talk about preparation a lot, and we talk about what is happening. Um, the, a lot of banks are collapsing, and 86. 186 more are at risk of collapsing, and your bank could be next. You never think anything bad could happen until it does. Uh, you might not, if the, unless the Fed does what they always do, like they did in March, print $300 billion out of nowhere, out of thin air, and <laughs> that's just how they roll. It's going to make your dollar worthless. That is inflation. And uh, there's a recession risk, and it could have an impact on your investments or your retirement account. So take my advice, protect your financial future with something real. Gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there has been only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with TrustLink, a AAA rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and the service of Allegiance Gold. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit 
protectwiththeoperator.com. Protectwiththeoperator.com. Do that today or give them a call at 844-790-9191. Do not let the Fed play Monopoly with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. So visit protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call at 844-790-9191. 844-790-9191. Well, hell, but like I said, here we are. Episode 54 of the Operator Podcast. I'm so happy you joined me, and I'm looking right at you. So happy you joined me. Glad we're together. Uh, I, I want to get... I'm not getting a lot of comments on future subjects. I've heard a few, and that's great. But go to the... Oper, or excuse me, at the Operator Podcast on Instagram or at Mikuya on Instagram or Twitter, and you can find me there. I mention that every week. I do read a lot of the comments. I've started reading Twitter more. And I just think I've developed thick skin. I don't know um, why. But um, there are things that I say I'm not going to bring up. And uh, (laughs) I mean, last week was Hunter's blow. Sorry. The blow they found in the White House, the cocaine they found in the White House. And I I said I was going to address it and not talk about it again, but I had to because it was pretty quick how that, that investigation in the most secure building in the country ended so quickly and now they just kind of wiped their hands of it. Um, they And they, I guess, now here's what the word I'm getting, and it's odd to say it this way, but I guess they, there was a bag of blow in a cubby. That's where we're at now. They didn't know whose it was. They couldn't figure it out because every camera in the place isn't in there. Uh, they said there's a blind spot, which to me doesn't make any sense because there shouldn't be a blind spot. But if there is, who would have access to the blind spot and know where it is? Eh, it kind of narrows it down from the 500 potentials to, I don't know. Uh, so bl- there's blind spots, um, y- you know, and they 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 didn't they didn't test it for um, any kind of DNA, and they didn't test it for fingerprints. You know, there could be anything on a plastic baggie, your sweat. Um, who knows if it's if if it's not good blow, maybe some blood is on there. But they they didn't they didn't test it. And they also didn't say what else was in the cubby. They won't release that. What else was in the cubby with the cocaine? It didn't, someone didn't just throw cocaine in there. What else was in there? And then whose gear is that? Whose whose hat is that? Whose bow tie is that? <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah. But I guess I guess again, I was told that the Secret Service treated it as a threat, as in a a chemical weapon. Or a biological weapon, I guess. It could be anything, right? And they, I guess they blew it in place. They bipped it. They, they blew it up. I don't know how big of an explosion that is. I'm just thinking, and I'm not an explosive ordnance disposal guy, but I'm thinking if you potentially have anthrax in um, a baggie in the situation room, maybe dispersing it with, I don't know, an explosion is probably not the best idea. That's just me. But, yeah, so they, they just said, yeah, it's over. We don't know. They, they, I mean, they managed to track down everyone from January 6th, but they couldn't find the Coke burglar. <laughs> uh-huh. But I, 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 if, I, if I didn't mention that, I wouldn't go through my notes. And you know how I feel about notes. I have to read verbatim. I like to read right to you because people love to be read to. They're, actually, that's not true. Uh, when, when I get asked about public speaking, and, and for some reason people's fear is um, speaking in public, I think the key is, one thing you can screw up is don't write your speech down and read it. Because if you get nervous, then you'll lose your place and then you'll panic. So have your bullet points and then have stories associated with them. When I give my speeches, I have pictures. And if I forget, which happens, and I've given so many speeches. I've, I've, uh, I, I think actually last week in Nashville, I told the same story twice in a row. Because I remember talking and I had a slide and I'm like, did I advance that or did I just not tell that story? Shit, and it was a good story. Um, but uh, yeah, don't write it down and don't really try to memorize it. Just get an idea and have stories associated with, you know, from the military, we, well, not we, they love PowerPoint. It's death by PowerPoint, every single slide. And if you, any veterans out there are active duty right now, how about the time when the communicator, the comms guy, the CCT guy, uh, uh, combat controller comes up to brief his part and it is just, shit everywhere and these spider webs of who's doing what and whatever it's the whole uh 
I don't need to know how the sausage was made, but it's it's, it's uh, and then the the PowerPoint shit, man. It just it's you're not exactly riveting, sir. Not the combat controller. You guys are fucking awesome, but um, yeah, don't memorize it. Have a have a standard idea of what you want to say. Realize too, if you t- a lot of people time themselves before they speak because you want to go for a certain amount of time. When you speak the first few times, you're gonna go faster than you realize. Like I talk fast as shit, and my first speech, I think I, it was an hour speech, I knocked out in like thirty minutes, but it was all. Um, airline pilots so they were mostly veterans so they gave me shit right off the bat i could hear the marine pilots yelling squid at me so i'm in a friendly environment and also i had an agent at the time that said the key to public speaking is two glasses of red wine before you speak right before not three and not one two and uh always remember when you're speaking uh, people aren't going to correct the speaker, so you are the subject matter expert. If you forget what you're saying, just start talking about something that you know, and you, and you'll be good. I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but that's not in my notes. Um, travel did get back on the road, went to Nashville. I'm gonna go somewhere else. I'll I'll get some video from some of the airports. I can't tell you where I'm flying from, but I will keep you posted tomorrow, which is fun. But it was an interesting week as I was flying. Here, here's what's interesting. I was flying, and we just bought a beer company in Norfolk, Virginia. That's a big-ass Navy base, bunch of Marines. All the SEAL teams are nearby in Virginia Beach. So we brought a we bought a brewery, and somehow on a um, a tweet, which if you let it can get you in trouble, but don't be the guy that apologizes. Just say you know what, go fuck yourself. Or ah, shit, I was wrong. But you know, don't get up there crying like whatever. Um, there was an issue with something. Uh, someone said something because they they know that I'm a like they know that my mother gave birth to a man, and I will eat steak, so I probably don't vote as they do. So someone down there got said something, blah blah blah, and I responded with something along the line. I I did delete the tweet. I have to admit that, but I did say I said something like, um, "Yeah, I just don't work with pedophiles." And we got some backlash. <laughs> Here, I thought it was a pretty decent stand to take de- defending kids from kitty diddlers. No. The, then they try to lump everything on me that I'm anti-LGBT uh, and all this stuff. And your beer companies. Well, first of all, anyone, can, when, they, when we open, and I mean anyone, can come to this bar armed forces brewing company anyone is everyone is welcome there and uh i'm talking gay straight black white trans um um, drag queens welcome in the bar except pedophiles that's all i'm saying and i'm i'm not going to apologize for saying that but the armed forces brewing company it's open we're very excited to be in virginia i can't wait to get back down there very cool place delicious beer this is not even an ad this is you know this is my company so drink it no Drink it. So speaking of speaking of woke and of just nonsense, I guess down is up, up is down. You can't if you, we're at a time right now in life where you have to tiptoe around the truth so you don't offend fucking idiots. Literally, I, you can't tell the truth. But I'll be damned. They will correct your grammar on Twitter. They 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 don't know the truth about anything, but they know their grammar. Your, I know what it is. I'm, I'm too busy memorizing the pronouns you made up. But um, speaking of beer, so there was a, there's a guy you've heard of, and his name is Charles Barkley. And let's start this off with I'm a huge fucking fan, and that's never going to change. Love Charles Barkley. If, if, you, if you're younger and you weren't watching uh, hoops, NBA hoops in the 80s, just watch, high, watch some highlight reels of the round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley. That dude, I th- okay, I think they listed him at 6'5". I'm saying he's not 6'4". But watching this man run down the court with the ball, full control, and just double-hand ha- double tomahawk dunk right in dude's faces and then throw him the balls are on the ground. I mean, this guy, he will throw down. He will dunk. He will fight. He will talk shit. And he's funny. I've never met him. 
but he's been funny because he's on TV quite a bit. But anyway, Charles Barkley was at the, uh, Nevada's American Century Championship at Edgewood Tahoe on Saturday. And he came in with, I guess he bought three cases of Bud Light because Bud Light has been having issues lately because of some ridiculously stupid detached marketing. But he, uh, he brought three cases up and said he's, he's trying to hand them out to people in the crowd. And he's like, take one. Take it. I brought Bud Light. We're drinking Bud Light. And uh, then he sa- said something like um, um, he, he praised the LGBT community. And he's always been, you know, he's always been a, a big supporter for back when there was gay marriage, which I think there obviously should be. Uh, he, he was, but then he just starts trying to force it down everyone's throat. And he said, if you uh, pra- pra- praise these guys, praise these guys. And then if you don't like it, fuck you type shit. Now, the way that I see it working is in in a society with paying customers, even though no one was paying, Barkley Bottom, um, you don't force the customer to buy your shit. That's mafia. That's like buying glass insurance on your donut shop because you're on the corner and you don't want your glasses to get shattered or whatever. But it, um, you, you, people aren't buying it now because they don't know – they didn't know their base and people – are sick of it. Seriously. I, speaking of my travels, before I flew to uh, Nashville, I did, I was on Piers Morgan show. I went down to the studio in New York and I ran into Ice Cube. Now, how awesome is that? Let's just take a moment. Go to At Makuya and I got a selfie with Cube. It was, I mean, just just as cool as can be. Awesome dude. Um, not, you know, he had a crew with him. I think, oh, I think his mom might have been there. Um, just very, very nice guy. Uh, and I've heard him has been speaking lately. And he, he was on with, with Joe Rogan recently. And I, I need to read this because it's his quote. He said, who controls Bud Light? That's the question. Why would they make a dumb decision like that? Are they trying to ruin Bud Light? And why would they want to ruin Bud Light? Are they trying to take down some of our most iconic American brands? That makes sense. Are you just trying to destroy it? Because you're going to. People, and they said, P- Cube said, I know him now, so it's Cube to me. Um, he said, people are sick of this shit. They're sick of social things like that. Uh, that are getting controversial, getting stuffed in your face, where you have to accept. People are like, I don't want to accept it. Politics really shouldn't be in someone's beer mug. That's Ice Cube. And it makes sense. It should not be. be please don't take alcohol away from us, because you, you people out there uh, in Congress, on the Hill, and in the media, drive us so crazy, it's all we have. So don't, but but then the like Bud Light executive said I, I didn't write his name down. He doesn't he doesn't know uh, real people. He he said something like, um, "Well, we didn't know it would offend our fan base." Well, you don't know your fan base, man. Come on, who do you think is drinking Bud Light? Blue collar, NASCAR loving, sports loving, football loving, um, any sport really. And that's who they are. But the the the, the executives are probably not going to get affected by this stupid decision made to 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 get a TikTok influencer who st- honestly still can't decide whether he wants to be a she or not because you know all the backlash said oh I got I like girls and that that pretty smile whatever I said it but you know who it affects is the people who work for Bud Light you know the people at the distributor the um. The people that that's their they're the blue collar jobs and they go home to drink Bud Light at night. It's going to affect their wages. Is it going to affect their bonuses? I mean, their overall employment. Because I don't I don't see this going away. We're at a point right now, and I haven't traveled a lot since the whole Bud Light controversy. But I've traveled enough to know that if you're even drinking a Bud Light at an airport or in an open area, a stranger is going to give you shit because it's a joke. So beer. Um, we also today need to discuss some military items. I like to do that because part of my resume is military, Navy, so that's good. But the big thing right now that's on the mainstream media, if you see that, and you'll, if you will, if they mention it, whatever it is, they're going to mention it again and again and again because they can't stop. But the military wants to... Because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court, the military wants to pay for service members to be able to travel on the government's dime 
to cross whatever state lines they need to to get um, women's health care is what they call it. They're going to get an abortion. And a senator from Alabama named Tommy Tuberville, who is, I've never met him. He seems like a very cool dude. He's a, um, he used to, he was a football player and a football coach for a long time. He coached uh, Auburn to a, an undefeated season, which is great. I think they got left out of the the BCS. I don't know why. I need to do more research on that. I'm bringing him up because because of <laughs> imagine that because of a tweet I sent last last week where he said because uh, he was never in the military, but he said I know some guys who were, so I'm the most military guy here. It's like, but are you? <laughs> he he kind of reminded me of. Uh, the guy as a veteran that you'll meet that says, "Yeah, man, I almost joined." It's like, man, you were you were almost almost valor. <laughs> you were almost a, a cool uh, an, an action guy. Um, but yeah, he said that, so I tweeted him. I was like that. I just said what he said in a nutshell. So I said that, but I don't have a problem at all with him. He's kind of standing in the way of that, and you know, a lot of the way that the the budget is paid and the pay is he's he's also standing in the way of a shit ton of. Officers making the higher, like higher ranking officers making the higher rank, which to me I think is fine. You don't need that many. There's too many damn officers. There's t- it's it, it needs to be a chain of command that goes up to a a pyramid style. It doesn't need to go straight up and down. But he's kind of blocking that. But he's he's he just said the the military shouldn't be paying for sailors, soldiers, airmen, airmen <laughs> or marines to get paid to go get an abortion. Now here's the issue. Obviously, he doesn't want the taxpayer funding abortion, and that's we've got over that. And, and abortion, believe me, is not the hill I'm going to die on. But I just that they shouldn't have to pay for that. But also, these uh, women who get pregnant should not get. They're offering them something like I don't know how much leave. Uh, I don't know a, a month, but the government's paying for their flight, paying for their meals, paying for their. Uh, their housing or, you know, whatever, wherever they put them, they're birthing, and then their flight's back. Now, now when you go, if you have a loved one die, you have to take your leave. And in the, in the military, you get 30 days of paid leave per year. And if someone dies, you know, they don't pay for you to go do that. So that's, it just seems like a hodgepodge to me. But even today, um, the, the, uh, Admiral, Admiral Kirby, who's speaking at the White House, was begging to be asked about abortion because Democrats just, man, that's one of their things. That and climate change, they're religious. They can't wait to get asked about that. We're going to make... He, he said that um, military abortions are a sacred obligation, which to me is complete lunacy. And he said it, it affects... Uh, it, it, uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said it's a readiness issue. And, and then they, they, they talk about... Abortion care, trans care, these are all readiness issues for the military, the greatest fighting force in the world, and I disagree. You shouldn't have to do that. I'm going to give you a little background on how this can be what I would call hullabaloo. A lot of people do stuff to get out of deployments. A lot of people do stuff to get more pay. and It's not uncommon for someone to graduate boot camp or basic training and two people decide to marry each other. Not that they know each other. They just they have like a handshake deal that if we get married, we get a couple hundred ex- extra bucks a month, and we get you know we get a housing allowance. So people get that's a one dumb thing people do get married right out of boot camp. I'm talking still in your your whatever with your one medal ribbon that you valiantly earned marching. But people do that, and people also also here's something that I've seen women do: get pregnant on purpose before deployment so they don't have to go on deployment. That affects readiness because you've got a woman who has a job she's trained for and all of a sudden she decides she doesn't want to do the seven-month cruise so she gets pregnant, can't go, and I don't want an abortion. That's an issue. I mean, it, it's just, it's like they're saying that this, is, this, this kind of care is so necessary for us to fight China. I have seen dudes before... <laughs> Uh, on ships because na- ship deployments can suck, especially underway on a ship. I have seen dudes. No, I didn't see it personally. I saw a video of a dude sit in a chair, put his his leg up on a, like a bench, and have a buddy jump on it to break it, like break it, like his tip fib, so he could miss deployment. People do weird shit like that. I saw a guy 
he 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 did all the paperwork and all the physical training for buds to get to seal training and he finally got through the process and they sent him off the ship to go to he quit that day first quitter um in his dress whites we're all in there getting a brief in dock and an instructor came in and jokingly said anybody want to quit and he goes yep and he left i mean people do weird shit to do that so i think it's not simply uh someone can't you know, man the battle stations. They can't go to general quarters because we don't need to be. I don't think we need to be funding it. And I, th- I think it's it's kudos to the senator to uh, stand in the way. It's like don't, don't you don't need to push every single bill, every single spending bill through. I mean, the Pentagon doesn't have a great track record anyway for spending your money, and somehow we lose a lot of it in Ukraine because we're we're in a war with them. But that's just kind of the weird shit. Then um, because we're Talking about military, I need to bring up an admiral, and she's not even military. She's um, she's Admiral Rachel Levine. She's like in charge of healthcare and shit. The was a woman and then transitioned. No, was a man and transitioned to a woman. And she was talking about her job is I should I forget what her damn title is. Uh, fights every day to improve the health and well being of all Americans. Now she's saying so. She was asked in an interview, shouldn't can we just wait for these kids to go through puberty? And her response, as as the number like the number one health professional, was, "Well, what if they're going through the wrong puberty?" To me, that just sounds loony. Loony, and she's defending the right of the kids, but like you know, give them whatever. So, and she's an admiral, the 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 highest ranking trans officer in in history. But and she was arrogant enough to say, "I didn't transition until after I had my kids." And so I don't have any regrets. If I couldn't live without my kids, it's like, well, so what's good for you? Yeah. And then just other stuff in the government because it's so much fun. You, you can go down lists of um, all kinds of different stuff that's happening. I learned today, uh, yesterday, that Dr. Anthony Fauci, I'll give you a minute to look him up, he has had uh, 24-hour armed security for a while. They won't say exactly when or where, when it's going to end. But he's got a limo, too, to take him places. So he's got armed security outside of his house. Follow him around. Dr. Fauci has that. And so you're paying for that. Uh, And it's one of those things where someone said, well, that's a president's detail, vice president's detail, permanent, president's. And they they said, well, it's it's not the Secret Service. The uh, federal marshals are covering it. Okay. You're throwing cash at this. So he has it. Well, maybe he should have it because I think he's very high up on an al-Qaeda hit list. No, he's not, I, but I know who is, and I have to pay for my own security, which is fine. I never asked for it, <laughs> but to give it to Dr. fucking Fauci. The, I mean, the man graduated med school and didn't, didn't ever practice medicine. He went right to government. If anyone goes right to government, that's an issue, and we'll get into that in later episodes about how it's no longer the elected officials that matter that you can vote out. It's the appointees that you can't. And he just retired, and I think he's making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in retirement. He was the highest paid man in the government, too. Um, and then, here's another one. I had to say this because I, I thought of a great line. There's videos coming out, and it's on the internet, so you, again, take that shit with a grain of salt, too, and, and the TV. Take that with a grain of salt. But a lot of these pictures and videos can't all be wrong about people crossing borders illegally. And we know the problems at our southern borders, and, the, and everyone's up, well, not everyone, the left is up in arms that, that uh, Governor Abbott's putting up barriers in the, in the river, trying to keep people out because the government, our federal government won't do it. Why? Because every, everyone coming over gets a vote. They can vote in our elections. Did you know that you need um, an ID to vote in Mexico? But if you're, a, if you're a Mexican, you can come over here and vote without an ID? To me, again, down is up, up is down. Don't tell the truth too loud. But there... You're seeing these long lines of people just walking. And the one that caught me was a really long line of uh, Middle Eastern men walking into Europe. Men. Military-aged men. They didn't have any women with them. They didn't have any kids with them. Just men. So what are they up to? I have a theory that, because obviously the crying, whiny hearts... Bleeding hearts are going to say, oh, they're fleeing war. Just let's stop for a second and back up and think about this. If you're fleeing war, you bring your family with you. 
if you're going to war, you leave your family behind. So I don't think a lot of these guys are going to show up in uh, in Greece and in uh, Austria and try to claim that they're Greek now. Not a lot of that going on. So that's what happens with uh, do-gooders and open borders. And it's almost it's almost like the, with the Bud Light thing. Are they just trying to bring everything down? And I, again, I don't know a lot of these people, but I've you know I know about them. And then the, the other one too is is uh, that I wanted to bring up. There's finally a, a union boss, a police officer, cop union boss in L.A. that is saying, uh, "It's get out, just leave." Telling cops like that you're not appreciated here. Go some go somewhere that likes you. And it wasn't as a get the fuck out, you asshole. It's like seriously for your own benefit, leave. Encouraging cops to leave, and I've seen it before where uh, Florida's recruiting cops. There's a lot of places that would love these great cops. LAPD, hell yeah. And they're being told by the, the union reps are supposed to create jobs, not get rid of them. But this is probably looking out for the cops because the, um, the union boss realizes that the city council does not have their backs, and they don't. And that, again, those, those, are, those are people at the lower levels of the, the communist scale Get rid of the police, bring in the chaos. That's what they're doing. And places in Los Angeles are probably never going to be the same again. If I mean, if so, 20 years from now. Look at San Francisco where they locked up the ice cream. You're locking up ice cream because people are coming in every day stealing your ice cream. And stores are leaving. Crime is rampant. Drugs are everywhere. Chaos. But it just something. With, and that's got to be something about mental health, too, with these cops. They want to do their job, but there's a point. I know in New York... They'll watch crime happen. Like, what's the point of me intervening? I'm going to intervene. Someone will record the last part of it, see me cuffed. They can't even put them in a chokehold anymore because of these uh, Soros-funded attorneys general. And, you know, it's it's just it's sad to see this happening to the cops. But, you know, you get what you vote for. The only problem is, being from Montana, a lot of the people in California move to Montana now, and they bring their fucking vote with them. So just to shift gears a little bit, have speaking of gears, have you checked out Tactical Baby Gear yet? Tacticalbabygear.com. Go to it just to shop. It's, it's incredible, the creativity, the stuff there, how organized it is because ha, ha, um, as a parent, I have seen the chaos that goes on. I've been to war and war has rules. Babies do not have rules. And if you can compartmentalize your gear, it's going to go a lot smoother, just like in combat. Um but uh, dirty diaper screaming fits, sleepless nights, parenthood is not for the faint of heart. Tactical Baby Gear was founded by parents for parents. With kit you'll be proud to carry. You'll overcome every spit-up, blowout, and meltdown along the way. Prepare for what pre- uh, parenting is, but do it with everything looking cool. The, the newest one are these uh, white pouches because they're very popular. They come in the baby E&E kit. And they're pouches that come eight per pack, and you can open it. They're resealable. Pull it, pull it out and use it. And then, like, you can keep these things in your pocket. So there's been a big demand on these wipes. And it's good to keep them in places like in your pockets because I don't know if you know this, but babies are unpredictable. The, their poop schedule is, is not on a schedule. It can come anytime. So these wipes are uh, eight wipes per resealable pack, 10 per package. And that's for five bucks. ADM for five bucks. You got to check those out. Um, I also like the uh, complete diaper bag kits. Seven different mo- uh, mod panels and all the Velcro, like I said, with the patches. You can put all the cool stuff on there. Tactical totes. The packing cubes are huge. They're little um, net-like zipper bags where you keep stuff in order. I know a lot of guys out there, especially former vets, like to be compartmentalized. This helps. When you need to get your stuff, you should know where it is. Ta- uh, tactical baby gear does that for you it's highly practical highly functional extremely high quality it's always ready and there's everything there baby carriers uh carrier strollers wagons everything in between with a lifetime guarantee go check this place out and uh use code the operator to save 15 percent at tacticalbabygear.com so tacticalbabygear.com use code the operator save 15 percent also, make sure you check them out on Instagram. Very cool Instagram page at Tactical Baby Gear. Because um, we all like to say, don't tread on me, but now we can say, don't poop on me. Tacticalbabygear.com, code the operator. All right. So uh, during that break, I, you know, doing a little review and whatnot, I know the difference between a district attorney and an attorney general. 
Um, the point I'm getting at is is a lot of the swamp behind it. You, you don't need to climb very far up a government bureaucratic tree to get a little sorrow shit in your eye. So there, a lot of people are working on a lot of things, but I said uh, um, attorney general when I met district attorney. You know what I'm saying. But it's all it's all the same thing where a lot of the bad policies that are paid for by the communists result in people wanting to leave their state, and then they end up in places like Montana. They, they and they, they still they say they don't want to go to Florida because of whatever normal reason they say they don't want to do anything because fascists. Uh, and also, uh, I, I this, see this is what happens when you take notes and try to read and you lose your spot. I lost my spot. I want to clarify. Rachel Levine is the Assistant Secretary for Health at the Department of Health and Human Services. So the second in, in command there wanted to make sure I was giving the admiral proper credit. And, you know, she is an admiral. And I think she was, like, I think, like, meritoriously promoted to four-star admiral, which is pretty dope. We didn't have that in the Navy when I was in the Navy. And then um, I, I wanted to be clear, Senator Tom Tuberville is a senator from Alabama. He coached Auburn. I, I, and I, I haven't looked back far enough yet to see what I said, but he coached Auburn. And that's a pretty interesting story, too, because I mentioned he was undefeated. They were undefeated. The Auburn Tigers were in 2004. And this is before they had the, the tournament. Um, you know, the top four teams go to the tournament. And they probably would have won the national title because they did win the Sugar Bowl. Um, I think they beat Virginia Tech. They finished the season at 14-0. and 0. But they ended up in the final rankings as number three behind USC and Oklahoma. And USC beat Oklahoma pretty good in the national championship game. And that would be enough to piss me off if I was a coach slash Senator Tuberville. But later, um, you know, knowing you could have beaten both teams <laughs> ahead of you, but later... Um, USC had their uh, their title stripped, so there is no national champion for 2004. Uh, I, man, I tell you what, I, I remember losing high school games in basketball in Montana that still eat me alive. That, that's got to be a tough one to swallow. And the reason that they didn't get into the national championship, something that I read, it was a long break, um, something that I read was the schedule their schedule was too easy. They played too easy of teams, even though they were beating the crap out of really good teams. They beat uh, Tennessee twice that year, I think, and and Tennessee was really good. They beat them in the SEC. They won the SEC championship, and usually if you win the SEC championship, you should probably be a contender for the national championship. But I wanted to clarify those two things, um, and they're both – and they're, they're important for this segue because – uh, Rachel Levine is obviously big on two, <clears throat> the the abortion and the um, the trans. Um, these are elective surgeries that the, the the they want the military to be doing, and I just I don't think that's much for readiness. Uh, you know, you do what you want, that's fine, but I don't think it has anything to do with military readiness. And, and Senator Tuberville is kind of blocking that too, and it's it's a fight we're going to watch and. Definitely talk about in the in the weeks to come because the weeks and months to come because nothing in Washington. Well, of course they are coming up on a uh, recess pretty soon. They're they're sure as hell quick to get out of there when they can. But the readiness thing, it it it's just it, this kind of this would have gone under the radar had it not been for. Um, um, an American soldier going AWOL and crossing the demilitarized zone in North Korea, South Korea, right by the... So the, the just a little background. Again, lots of episodes that we can talk about this. Uh, North Korea and South Korea, it was it basically started at the end of World War II, and that's like, and this happened all over the place, like the Iron Curtain, where Russia stopped here and we stopped there. And then... So that was the 38th parallel, sort of. There was a, a long, long fight. And it's not even considered a war still. And it's, it's not even over, whatever it was. <clears throat> but uh, 36,500 Americans were killed during the fighting. And that's got to that's be brutal. I, I haven't been to Korea. In, I've never been to Korea. But people say Korea in, in winter can be brutal. And I can imagine just uh, something like Alaska with... 
right on the uh, right on the water, big mountains, snow, all kinds of fun shit like that. Where first sergeant would make sure we're all out training or whatever. But um, it, it it ended as quick as it began. It uh, on on July twenty seventh anniversary coming up nineteen fifty three. But um, in total, I think three million people were killed, which made it. They say the deadliest conflict of the Cold War era. And they, they didn't, there was never really war declared. There was never a peace treaty. There was an armistice signed, which is purely military. So just military signed it. No nation is a signatory, and it's just there. And it, it, it's like, they, like the dudes that signed it, they signed a few different copies and left. They didn't really acknowledge each other. And the five major things it did was, um, it suspended open hostilities, which is always a great thing, and withdrew all military forces and equipment from a 4,000-meter-wide zone, establishing the milita- demilitarized zone as a buffer between the forces. So basically, we're fighting right here as the front line. We'll back up 2,000 yards. We'll go back 2,000 yards. we got your 4,000 4, meters. They're roughly the same. Uh, it prevented both sides from entering the air, ground, or sea areas under control of the other, arranged release and repatriation of prisoners of war and displaced persons, and it established the Military Armistice Commission, or MAC. you got to have a good abbreviation. MAC's always cool. And other agencies to discuss any violations and to ensure adherence to the truce term. So we, I guess we call it a truce. Uh, so that's an important area. And there, I mean, there has been Americans killed there. It, it, there's no, I guess, again, I haven't been there. There's not a really much of a physical border. It's kind of a no man's land, but you can run across and, and North Korean soldiers will shoot defectors. And it's always, it's always defectors leaving communism. Not a lot of South Korean troops shooting their soldiers trying to run into North Korea. But this is why it's important. We talk about military readiness. <clears throat> There's a, a, well, an E2 private in the Army named Travis King, and he, ju- he, he got in some trouble. He'd been stationed in South Korea, and he got in trouble out in town, is what we would call it. So he would go out into the clubs or whatever. And I, I mean, you know, he's 22, getting a brawl, a little aggressive, a couple cocktails. It happens. But he'd been uh, he'd been uh, hit with two assault charges. He paid like, like he was in the back of a South Korean cop car, like he broke it down or was kicking in the back. You know, we've we've all been there. I mean, or have we? I mean, we have. Some of us have been there. <clears throat> but he got a little aggressive with the cops, and, and you know he paid um, the equivalent of like four thousand dollars to fix the damages. Another incident, and so he's he's going home. Uh, they're going to fly him back to Texas, and he's going to face some some difficult, you know, some some uh, military punishment. I don't know how much punishment you're going to get then, but here's here's where my my thing of um, readiness comes up of operational readiness. It it appears to me now. Okay, so he's an E two two years in, and I'm assuming that's be- like you get E two. Basically, right out of boot camp, you graduate boot camp. Maybe you finish your uh, your specialty school. You get you get your stripe. <coughs> he wasn't a private first class, which is an E three yet. And I'm assuming that's because he got in trouble a couple months ago, which is fair. But they're not gonna they're not gonna throw you in the brig for what you're doing. He was not properly briefed on North Korea and what happens in North Korea. North Korea is a hermit state. And they are brainwashed from the word go. There, they think like Kim Kim Jong Un and his dad Kim Jong Il, and then Kim Il Sung before him. The Kims have been running it for a long time, and they came in. They, we'll get into this one in, a, in, a, in another episode. They came in at first saying, "Hey, I'm going to take over. You give me your land. You don't need to own anything. The government will take care of you." This is what happens, and I, ho- I hope college kids are listening to this because this is what this is how the the uh, the beauty of socialism turns into complete butchery but um the the people there are so brainwashed they obviously only listen to state run media they don't have internet they don't have lights they actually there's no animals in the street because they're uh eating everything they can find including uh plants and wood and shit like that it's a really bad place and so the soldiers on the dmz are also 
not only did they um, brain brainwash as far as most people, like they don't understand the concept of trash because why would you throw anything away? Because you can eat it. And they also know that uh, Kim Jong-un is a god, that they're raised that. And they, they're convinced that if you do find an animal, they can hear you talk bad about them. You, your worst enemy is your teeth or some shit like that. Um, so North Korea, not good. And uh, they're, oh, they have nuclear weapons. They're very close. It's, 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 it's uh, debatable, but um, not debatable. <laughs> but it's bad. Because Kim Jong-un loves, loves the spotlight. And apparently he loves uh, scotch, but he loves the spotlight. And um, he, he kind of, uh, it's an iron fist where he is, but um, Private King was not briefed on what they do there and how bad it can be there. So they're br- I guess he was done with his confinement or whatever they had him in for. And they're, they're escorting him back to the United States. So he's going to the airport. And he's escorted, but not armed escorted. He's not shackled. And somehow he managed to slide his way into a, a tour group that was going to go check out the, the, the DMZ, the part where uh, Donald Trump crossed famously breaking history and meeting with Kim Jong-un a couple years ago. And I guess he broke free and ran. So I guess I and one of the there was a female there from one of the Nordic states, and she said, "Yeah, this dude just ran off, and we could hear him laughing loudly." So he's yelling loudly. He's causing a ruckus, but this time, he's not going to be kicking down doors in South Korea. He fucked up. He fucked around and found out, and now he's in North Korea, and he's they got him. So he is he is he is now got he got got. He should have been, and maybe he was, but I think at that age, if, if you're not taking stuff serious, and I'm, I don't know the kid, and I don't want him to be there, trust me. I'm not saying that. I'm not advocating for the soldier to be in North Korea. But it just seems like no one t- takes it serious. This Is this a product of growing up being taught to hate your country, not realizing how great it is? I would much rather be going to the brig in Texas than going to a forced labor camp in North Korea. Even though it's summertime, it's going to get bad in the winter. He should have been briefed, like I said, possibly was briefed by a a fellow by the name of Otto Warmbier. Uh, He was a student, and he was, I guess, uh, a really good student, and a really popular dude in high school. He went to the University of uh, Virginia. Uh, He was Jewish through his mother's side, so he he traveled uh, to Israel. He's been to... Um, different places around the world, Europe, Cuba, which for me is a uh, it's a bit of a red flag because you're going to Cuba, which is a communist state. You don't fully appreciate communism because Cuba still is. And if you're not Jay Z and Beyonce, they could potentially roll you up there too. I, I'd love to go. I mean, I mean, bear with the food's incredible, and I'm assuming the people are great. But you got to be careful who the dictators are. I'm sure there's great people in North Korea too. Um. But the, so what happened is uh, Otto Warmbier went over there on a. He was going to study, I think, Chinese in Hong Kong, and they said we could stop for New Year's in North Korea, which they did. And to me, that's not my first pick. I have had New Year's in in Bahrain, which is a little different. But it, it's again, you're in a place where you're in someone else's country, especially North Korea, where you don't want to be the guy to find out the hard way. So he, he arranged a tour with this place called Young Pioneer Tours, and it's a, it's a low-budget tour agency. If I'm going to North Korea, which I'm not, I'm not going low-budget at all. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cutting any costs. We're going we're gonna to keep this real, but low-budget. And part of their advertisement, their marketing was, we take you to destinations your mother would rather you stayed away from. And that's... Another indicator, and we're in North Korea. They're, they're literally in North Korea staying at a hotel where they have New Year's, which means they're boozing it up. They're young kids, and they're having fun, passing no judgment whatsoever, trust me. But right, I, they got back to the hotel right around 2 a.m., and they were con- they continued to booze it up, and apparently Otto Warmbier attempted to steal a poster from a staff-only lounge. Now, keep in mind, these people in North Korea will turn on their children. 
their children will turn them in if they hear anything bad about dear leader. He once Kim Jong un once he played golf one time and shot an eighteen. And he said, Well, that's it. I guess uh I'm done with golf. And if I had eighteen aces in one day, yeah, I'm 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 hanging them up too. Hanging up the boots, baby. <clears throat> but uh he attempted to steal a poster in a staff-only lounge, and I, he, he pulled it off of the wall, which is a no-no. But he, he said it was too, this is Otto said it was too heavy, to, to too big to steal. And it's a poster of Kim Jong-un saying something about, you know, follow the victorious and glorious big dick leader, whatever whatever it says. I don't read Korean. Um, but he said it, he couldn't take it, so he set it down. And a staff member came in the next day and said, when I left work last night, everything was fine. But I came back, and this poster was on the wall. So they looked. They have, I guess, some foot. They have footage. They found out who did it. They man, we should have hired the North Koreans to put the the cameras in the White House. We we'd know whose blow that was. But they found out who it was, and it looked like Otto Warmbier. He's leaving the ne- I think the next day. He's at the airport, getting ready to leave North Korea, joshing with his friends, BSing about the booze. How much fun did we have last night? And I guess two North Korean soldiers came up. They didn't say a word. They tapped him on the shoulder. They turned around and left. And I guess Otto didn't protest. That's your time. Right there, man. You got a fight or flight. And I guess he half smiled. And one of his buddies, like, it was so fast. The One of his buddies who was interviewed said, um, yeah, he didn't resist. And I kind of half smiled to uh, everyone in the group. said, well, I guess that's the last time we'll ever see him. And it was alive. They uh, they arrested him. They uh, he's obviously distraught at this point. He, re- he re- the, when the realization comes that you're not you fucked up. Um, Bo Bergdahl comes to mind, and he was on. They got video of him, and he, he's it's obviously a prepared statement. But at this point, you know, you're saying anything to get the fuck out. He said, "I never, never should have allowed myself to be lured by the United States administration to commit a crime in this country." I wish that the United States administration never manipulated people like myself in the future to commit crimes against foreign country. I entirely beg you, the people and the government of the DPRK, for your forgiveness. Please, I made the worst mistake of my life. And that's horrible. Because what happened to him next, we didn't, we didn't see him again. I think it got rolled up in the, he, he after that statement that he gave. So they got him to say exactly what they wanted. They sentenced him to 15 years of hard labor. That's hard labor, and that's not like Sundays off. Some Americans that have been captured over there doing hard labor, they were actually taken to hospitals for the 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 brutality of their body. But uh, just unspeakable stuff. And it's I mean it's almost fortunate we don't know what's going on in these camps. But in 2017 they released him. And he was he, he was brought back, I think, to Cincinnati, and he was in a coma. He'd been brutally beaten, head trauma. He died of, you know, they never said they di- what he died of. They said asphyxiation, or the Koreans said he had botulism and a sleeping pill. I'm not making that up. But he his four front teeth, and even though the coroner said different, two of, of Otto Warmbier's dentists said his front four teeth were bent back towards his tongue. And I, I mean, and that could be from a, a, a shot, but usually if you get hit hard that fast, you lose teeth. They were bent, and then he died, um, and it's horrible. And I just I feel bad for uh, his parents. That's uh, devastating, obviously. And, and now I I feel bad for um, Travis King's mom, Claudine Gates, because she's just proud of her son. He's in the military, and he's 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 protected by the military, so he's safe. So this is this, this is where you. A lot of preparation, military preparation. This is part of it. Situational awareness. Where are you? What do we do if? And now, Otto Warmbier was not part of the military, but if anything, I mean, it's tragic. I mean, unbelievably tragic. That's got to be a lesson taught. We don't need to be worried about command climate. And it, it, we don't, you know, we, th- this is where you are. This is very serious. Those are bad guys. Here's how they think, and they don't think like you. Not everybody thinks like you. And just because you don't think, just because you don't like someone doesn't mean they don't like you. You cross that border, especially now, because Kim Jong-un loves 
loves publicity and he loves leverage and he loves to be tough because apparently he's short, whatever, never met him either. But we just docked the USS Kentucky in South Korea. What is the USS Kentucky? Well, that's a ballistic missile submarine with nukes on it. These are the first nukes we've ever put, or not ever, but we've had in, in South Korea. The first nuclear weapons we've had in South Korea since 1991. This is the first visit from a nuclear submarine carrying nuclear weapons since 1981. And now we got people out there saying, well, we know that nu- uh, Korea might have m- nuclear weapons now, but we have more on this boat than their entire arsenal. It's like, really? Oh, thank goodness. Because a nuclear holocaust is a good idea. Do you think for a second now, I, I mean, if they, if they can they brief the soldiers that are there that we got a sub coming in? It's potentially volatile. And now, obviously, that Korea's launching missiles again. You think that the, the Koreans are going to be quick to want to give him back? What kind of leverage they have now? I, they're, they're not going to... It, it's it's sad. And we have this administration on that. Do you think Kim Jong-un doesn't know about the drag queens that we have that are uh, that are recruiting for us, that are used to recruit for us, how weak we've gotten um, just as a deterrent? I'm not doing anything. You, you, watching the, the president of the United States talk to another a leader of a foreign nation, and he sounds like grandpa trying to whisper his way through grace at dinner while he's falling asleep in his mashed potatoes? No, this is bad. And this is what the military needs to be telling its people about. Um, on a final yet positive note, I think it's very important to know your heritage, know your history. Um, you don't need to be proud of everything, but it's you don't need to delete it because you don't like something that someone did a long time ago. I personally am very proud of this, even though I had nothing to do with it. Um, and I, 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 re- I mean, you're going to find people who just disapprove of everything but i think you should be proud of this because it's 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 proof of how great this country is and how we might not start off the right way but we're continually trying to get better which i like uh today is july 19th and that is the anniversary of the tuskegee airfield opening up july 19th 1941 and if you're not familiar with the tuskegee airmen They are black servicemen of the U.S. Army Air Forces who trained at Tuskegee Army Airfield in Alabama during World War II. They constituted the first African-American flying unit in the U.S. military. Um, The the first black pilot in war was actually an American, Eugene Jacques Bullard, who couldn't fly with the United States Army. He actually flew with the French. But he, he deserves the credit for flying there because you're just, you're, you know, breaking new ground, seriously. And that just takes balls to fly in World, World War One. They just invented flight. Part of the, this was, this was kind of, um, the Tuskegee Airmen was being pushed by uh, um, FDR. Roosevelt was pushing this. And one of the cool stories is, uh, I guess, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady, went down to Tuskegee Airfield. She wanted to tour the new place. And she loved it so much. She asked for a. Uh, I want to fly. I want to fly by by one of these gentlemen. And although the Secret Service was anxious about the ride, Chief Civilian Flight Instructor Charles Alfred Anderson, known today as the Father of Black Aviation, man, that's a great nickname. Uh, he he piloted Mrs. Roosevelt over the skies of Alabama for an hour. So this dude's flying the first lady around. This is totally great. Um, and so the, the way that the way this all started was in uh, in January of 1941, the War Department formed an all black 99th Pursuit Squadron of the U.S. Army Air Corps to be trained using single engine planes at the segregate, segregated Tuskegee Army Airfield. So they're still dealing with Jim Crochet. It's still segregated. <clears throat> the um, NAACP, the black press and others had been lobbying hard for the government to allow African-Americans to become military pilots. However, neither the NAACP or their um Friends in the press, most of them, they they didn't approve of them being an all black unit because that's still promoting segregation. I, I mean, personally, I think that's just cool because they got together and said, "Well, watch us work together, and we're going to crush this." And so, um, but you know, 
whatever happened, they stayed segre- segregated, and um, it was create. It was created, like I said, on July nineteenth, nineteen forty one, eighty two years ago. Um, the doors opened on the airfield, and the first class graduated the following March, led by Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin Oliver Davis Jr. He became the squadron's first commander. This definitely has a lot of episodes in it. I just wanted to touch on the date because of the opening of the base. But but just in, in a nutshell, uh, altogether, the Tuskegee Airmen, 992 pilots graduated from the Tuskegee Airfield, and they flew 1,578 missions and 15,533 sorties, destroyed 261 enemy aircraft, and won more than 850 medals. So that's uh, that's a great story about today. Don't don't be afraid to uh, look up and give thanks because this is breaking barriers all over the place. And and remember, man, if you if you know your heritage, know your history, and um, you know keep your head on a swivel, maintain situational awareness, you're never out of the fight.